Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance and save by bundling auto and home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! We hang out with you, not live, but we're here to hang out with you and have a fun conversation about things that are going on in the world of entertainment, for sure. I am the outlaw John Rogan, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and there's Bosco. Oh, and this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television writer and an animation, a television actor and an animation writer. Sorry, Bosco threw me off with all the cuteness uh, where you can see some of our latest work on Netflix right now with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, season two. I promise mm-hmm. I'll get to it after Love is Blind in the Crown. I promise I'll get to it. But those uh-huh. are my addictions right now. They're four minutes, John. They're four <laughs> minutes. That's a good point. That's a fair point. Um, <laughs> and we are, of course, brought to you once again by Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com if you have any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, or download their app to have a doc in your pocket. 100-plus locations all over the country, 80 Plus locations in California alone. All right. The way the show works is each of us brings up a geek news item, and then we uh, talk about it amongst ourselves for your entertainment. We take a quick break, and then we jump into our main topic. And our main topic today is definitely dealing with Sean Levy being tapped to direct a Star Wars movie. Our thoughts on what that Star Wars movie can be, why it's taking so long to get a Star Wars film come out and, to come out, and if we actually are in any rush to see a Star Wars film, after all the incredible success of the TV shows, including Andor, which we will be currently reviewing later on this week as well. Um, so, uh, Shannon, uh, no, no, Michael, no. I think you start us no. off, Michael. What do you got? But I do think I want Shannon to kind of kick us off. I need oh. uh, I need some intro music for my first topic, please. There it is. Do, 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 do. Oh, it's there. Good. Okay. I'm hyped. I'm ready. Strike. So, all right. Let's So, Deadline and Variety and some other outlets reported this week that the Mouse House and Disney Plus. 
have been meeting with writers, hearing ideas about what they might want to do for an Indiana Jones series uh, on Disney Plus. So a streaming Disney Plus Indiana Jones series. Uh, no word on what that is. They are in early stages, clearly. But with Indiana Jones Part 5 on the horizon and with Harrison Ford making it official that this outing as Indiana Jones will be his last one, um, uh, Bosco's not happy about it. Bosco... <laughs> Bosco's really upset about that Harrison Ford news. He's, um, he's but, going to throw on Raiders right now. He's going to go watch it. Um, but uh, no, so like basically, look, obviously Indiana Jones, one of the biggest franchises that Disney has, and they've got some pretty big franchises. Um, and so they obviously are going to try and figure out what they can do with it beyond Indiana Jones 5 and beyond Harrison Ford. And so what that means is anybody's guess. Uh, could this be sort of a reboot of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which a bunch of us had growing up? Um, could this be somebody else putting on um, the hat and the whip for the small screen? I don't know. Uh, an Indiana Jones series is a little bit harder to wrap your head around than a Star Wars series or a Marvel series or a DC series. So what do you guys think? Good idea? Bad idea? What could this be? Shannon? I mean, it just kind of depends on where they go. I mean, they were, they were very, very broad in, in what this is going to be, in that they're meeting with writers, taking ideas, um, you know, in the wake of everything, everywhere, all at once. You know, a lot of people are oh, yeah. very big on Kiwi Kwan. Um, he, he has been, uh, he's going to start popping up in some more stuff. Loki season two, he's in another Disney Plus series called um, American Born Chinese. I think the idea of a short round series is something that I think could be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now with that, it would not necessarily be a cheap endeavor because if he's what in his fifties now, this yeah. would be set maybe in the late seventies, early eighties. Like what is an adventure series in that? What does that look like? I mean, you know, we yeah. certainly had adventure series uh, uh, films set in that time, like Romancing the Stone, um, Jewel of the Nile. Yeah. Um, you know, what could it be like? Like, but I, I do think a short round series could be interesting. I also think, man, an animated Indiana Jones series would be great. Like somebody else putting on that hat. That is a very tall order. And yeah. I think, you know, if you, you know, on YouTube, there was an artist named uh, Patrick Schoenmaker, I believe his name was, who did a fantastic sort of uh, uh, little two minute, three minute thing of, of an animated Indiana Jones, where we mm -hmm. got to see short round, we got to see some of the, you know, the classic villains, you know, there were so many adventures that we didn't see on the big okay. screen. I feel like animation, to me, animation is the way to go. Like you can find a great sound alike. For Harrison Ford, you can find great soundalikes for Henry Jones Sr. John Reese Davies is still around. He could still certainly come back and play Sala. That's that's what I would like. Um, but I think we'll have a better idea of our opinions when they actually say what it is that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the boat with you about the Kihu Kwan series. I mean, this is I mean, this picture is just legendary, right? I mean, having them come together again, I saw a number of people immediately want to see this. And look. There's a lot of great characters that surround Indiana Jones that are not Indiana Jones. You know, you've got Star Wars doing all these uh, characters like Boba Fett series, the Mandalorian series, and or series. Why can't we have characters that are involved in adventures without Indiana Jones? Maybe he's referenced. Maybe he's talked about. Maybe he comes in for a cameo and they de-age him for a cameo. I don't know. There's all kinds of possibilities. But I think it's probably going to be more the Sean Patrick Flannery, Indiana Jones, Young Chronicles route where they kind of lay the groundwork for it all and see 
if they can reboot this franchise in a soft way by having a, an actor come in and play the character of Indiana Jones. And maybe the audience really gravitates to that character, that actor, and then that actor makes the leap to the big screen. There's certainly possibilities there because Disney works long game. They're not working short term. They're working long game. How can we get people to kind of warm up to the idea of a recasting of Indiana Jones, which is inevitable because they don't want to give up this franchise? And that's certainly possible. But, Shannon, you make great points. I mean, there's been a Lego Indiana Jones that's looked really good. This animation stuff is incredible. This would be so much fun to see an animated series like that. And you could bring the actors back to voice those characters and maybe come close to simulating those voices uh, as well themselves with technology and what have you. So I just love this as an idea. Um, and I think it's it's a good way to revitalize the franchise without having to rely on old cranky bones over there to carry it every single time. So that's that's my thoughts on it. Mike? I mean, look, I would love an, I would love an animated series. I don't think that's probably in the cards i think when they're looking at like extending the brand and kind of like uh continuing life i don't think that they look as animation as their go-to granted they well, should like clone wars kind of saved star wars in my opinion but um i don't know that that's the case uh i think a short round series is a great idea uh i also think it could be something totally different we don't know exactly who the new characters are in indiana jones 5 uh we don't know where right. that's going to, what they're going to do with uh, with Indiana Jones 4 and how canon all that is. Uh, so, you know, I think there's like with Shia, with Shia LaBeouf's character, with new characters that are going to show up, there might be, I'm not saying I like the idea. I'm just throwing everything out there that's possible. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of avenues that they could explore there. There's also just like, you know, to your point about Indiana Jones being this character, like it's a little bit different than Star Wars because Indiana Jones exists in our world. Like Star mm -hmm. Wars is an entire universe you can explore. Uh, Indiana Jones, it's our universe. So Indiana Jones is kind of the reason that you show up, but uh, maybe it's a brand new series about a bunch of modern day characters that we've never met before that are following in the footsteps of some of Indiana Jones' greatest adventures. So, I mean, I think this, and by the way, this is actually what happens in studios. What we are doing right now is kind of what happens. Disney reaches out to a bunch of people and says, hey, we kind of don't know what we're doing. Give us your best shot. So everything that we have all just announced could probably all be on the table. And like they come in and Kathleen Kennedy is sitting there and whoever else is sitting there and you go, yeah, you know, I think we should uh, do a bunch of kids following in the footsteps. Well, we should do a short round series. We should do an animated series. Well, we should do a, someone else is gonna be Indiana Jones and we're gonna be, they're gonna graduate to the movies. Like probably everything is on the table. So uh, it's a bake-off, ladies and gentlemen. And oh. the, best, the best cake wins. Here's a custard week, we shall see. I mean, this is a great point you bring up here, uh, Mike, and swinging back to you, Shannon. The National Treasure series is about to come out, and that's all these kids following in the inspired by the character that Nicolas Cage plays and what he goes through. And we're still getting a Nicolas Cage installment down the road, at least so far. That's still in play. So you could kind of follow that. And listen, this is going to piss some of the fanboys off, but they could go the female route, which they have done with numerous series and under the Disney banner, where they have a female Indiana Jones. Uh, who follows in the footsteps of the original Indianos. And listen, Indiana wasn't an original creation. He saw a dude, copied his look, and then became Indiana Jones, inspired by what that guy's doing. So there's a history of passing on the mantle, whether directly or indirectly, in this adventure, uh, treasure hunting adventure 
uh, angle here. So it could be any number of it. it could be a person of color. It could be any number of things to explore the idea, maybe to break that uh, kind of some of the criticism that it's happened more recently about Indiana Jones being a white man going into other people's cultures and taking their artifacts or whatever. There's certainly a new a way that you could maybe move around that and avoid it by recasting in a certain way or uh, rebooting, I guess, in a certain way, uh, this character while still maintaining the universe. I don't know. Well, I mean, the big question mark for Indiana Jones 5 is like, we know Phoebe Waller-Bridge is supposed to be you know, right. sort of, you know, sort of the, the, the partner in, in this installment. At least that's what that's what we're led to believe at this point. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I mean, she's a very, very popular performer. I mean, just, just with Fleabag alone. And the idea that Oh man, I just love an idea of her and Kiwi Kwan sharing the screen oh, together. You know, you know, kind of p- picking up that mantle and and going to have you know sort of further adventures. Um, I, you know, I do think Vogel is right that you know the cash cow that they want for that brand, it probably wouldn't be animation, but that's still what I would like to see. Yeah, Michael, any final words on this? Um, we will find out. Couldn't tell you when. <laughs> But we will find out. Um, yeah, I, you know, it'll be interesting. I do think just it'll be interesting to see in the long, like, uh, not that they've knocked it out of the park and we're going to talk about it further uh, in the show, but like, you know, Disney's Disney's definitely uh, in that Star Wars business. They've got stuff coming out. Some of it uh, not as great as we would love. Some of yep. it exceeding all expectations. But Star Wars is alive and well with Disney. Yeah. And Marvel, alive and well with Disney. So... Whether or not you worry about overexposure, whether or not you worry about all the things you worry about with Disney, like they do have a pretty good track record thus far of taking brands that we weren't sure how they were going to handle yeah. and handling them pretty well. You can throw Prey in there. Like it's the first good oh, yeah. Predator movie that Great we've gotten points. in God knows how long. You know, we've yeah. got Willow coming back for the in the small screen uh, at the end of this month. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, so, you know, I have no idea what it could be. And how you do Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford is definitely a, a little bit more of a head scratcher than some other things, but I think they'll probably come up with something. I mean, we've come up with 45 James Bonds. I feel like Indiana Jones could be recast. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I, mean, I know. I know people hold on to that thing so preciously, but uh, possibilities. Uh, anyways, move on to our let's well, actually let's take a quick break. We'll move on to our next topic right after this. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Shout out to you on that one. Uh, yeah, we're moving on to this. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya has been announced as a new voice in the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He is playing Spider-Punk. I have no idea. This We've reached the limits of my knowledge of Spider-Man here with Spider-Punk. I have no idea who this is. Maybe Michael can enlighten us or Shannon can. Uh, this one uh, coming to us with Justin K. Thompson, Joaquin Dos Santos, and Kemp Powers directing this feature. And it's coming out on June 2nd of 2023. The plot details are pretty much secret. I got to see 
15 minutes of it at CinemaCon that was just like animatics and all that. It was really incredible. Or the, uh, you know, the drawings there that they were, they did, it was just fun. Oh, I guess it's all computer generated, Mike. I'm sure you and Shannon can correct me on that, but it's all computer. So it's pretty cool to watch. And already it gave me uh, an excitement to see this sequel for sure. And according to the Hollywood reporter, the characters Hobart, Hobie Brown, it's more of a recent Marvel Comics creation. First appeared in 2015 from writer Dan Slott and Oliver Quopel. I hope I'm saying that right. Brown is a homeless teenager who becomes a hero to the oppressed citizens of New York in his dimensional universe. And he's joining a cast that includes Oscar Isaac coming in as Spider-Man 2099. Brian Tyree Henry, of course, coming back. Luna Lauren Velez coming back as his parents. Uh, Miles Morales' parents, Greta Lee. Issa Rae, Rachel Dretch. Shout out to Rachel Dretch. Jorma Tacone, Shea Wiggum, and Jason Schwartzman are all coming in as newcomers into the franchise as well so gentlemen daniel kaluuya are we liking this are we liking him for spider punk where does this tell you the the sequel is going here i mean it seems like it is just all spider people all the time <laughs> um in terms of the character like yeah i'm like you john I, I i had never heard of this character looking at the uh uh the design uh that i'm assuming was from the books i'm like yeah that looks super cool it's a spider-man with a sleeveless denim jacket and a spiked mohawk um and in terms of the talent i mean you can't get better than daniel kaluuya i mean yeah. this is a this is academy award winner um you know there's actually there's a movie out i don't know if you've seen it yet john armageddon time uh jeremy That's strong and this Hathaway. weekend yeah i did not get a chance to get out to my screening for that one but yeah so there was a young actor in it named Jalen Webb, who, oh, yeah, as right. as I was watching him, I saw it yesterday and just totally reminded me of a young Daniel Kaluuya. And oh, wow. so I, and I don't know if I was thinking of Daniel Kaluuya because I had read about this news and then I'm seeing this young actor who to me, I'm just like this guy, this kid just embodies Daniel Kaluuya. But I mean, at this point, like, I don't know how many spider people we're going to have, but everyone, you know, is so excited for the sec- second chapter uh, of this story. And I think Daniel Kaluuya is only uh, only going to help that. Yeah, let's take a look at this, Mike, before we were... Oh, so this is uh, this is the character, which is pretty badass little character here. And of course, Daniel Kaluuya, they're looking pretty badass himself. So, Michael, what are your thoughts on all this? Uh, I think it's great. Spider-Punk's awesome. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of what we've seen in Into the Spider-Verse uh, and what we'll see in this one is... I wouldn't even say based on the Spider-Verse arc from back in the day, but like back in, you know, Miles Morales existed in the Ultimate Comics and Peter Parker is and was the OG Spider-Man in the mainline Marvel Universe. And before they sort of uh, post-Secret Wars collided everything together and Miles Morales just lived in our Marvel Universe, Mm -hmm. there was lots of universes and they did an entire like Spider-Verse arc. Yeah. Uh, that brought Madam Web into things, and it was all the spider people of all the different universes coming together to fight this big evil. So they went all kinds of crazy. Like, Spider-Gwen was there, Spider-Pig was there, Spider-Man Noir was there, uh, there was an Aunt May from back in the 1800s who had a giant steampunk spider on her back. I mean, there was all, and Spider-Punk was one of them too. Um, so he was there, you know, he's kind of like, his universe, his universe, like, I, this isn't exactly right, but it always just struck me as like, a universe where the late 80s just never stopped. And he's like, the anti-establishment Spider-Man who's gonna stick it to the man with my cool punk rock. Like, but he's a lot of fun. Like he's a really, really fun character. Um and you know, a lot of the characters that were in this Spider-Verse are kind of uh spun out into popularity, Spider-Gwen probably being one of the biggest. Uh, and then like, you know, what they did with Spider-Noir in the first Spider-Verse movie, a lot of that was kind of pulled from who he was in the Spider-Verse comic. I think they improved on it and made it better and kind of made him 
a little bit more of a fully fledged character. And I think they'll do the same here. But in addition to like Oscar Isaac as Spider-Man 2099, Issa Rae as Spider-Woman. I mean, it's just like, what you know, I'm curious as how what their take on Jessica Drew is going to be. I'm yeah. curious as to what their take here is going to be. Um, Jason Schwartzman as The Spot. I don't know who Rachel Dratch is, but I know the Vulture is in the new Spider-Verse movie no. as a villain. And I think that, I mean, I think I read that in one of the, in one of the uh, press announcements. And just like they kind of made Dr. Doc Ock female in right. the first one, I wonder if Rachel Dratch might be a vil- Vulture because a female Adrian Toomes feels like a Rachel Dratch kind of thing to me. <laughs> um, I can see that. So, I mean, across the board, it's just kind of like A-plus voice talent in a movie that we know is coming from an A-plus creative team with an A-plus yeah. animation style. So, I mean, the Spider-Man movies across the board have kind of reached a level of, it's a very high bar. Like, yeah. Into the Spider-Verse is arguably one of the best animated movies that there is, period. And you could make an argument that it's one of the best Spider-Man movies. And then you've got Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, it's just a very high bar across the across the uh, the whole level. And... I'm I'm jazzed. Like every new announcement that we get, uh, just makes me more and more curious. Uh, and I think like expectations through the roof on this one. Yeah, just to clarify for you, Mike, because I didn't know this either. Uh, Rachel Dratch is playing the principal, um, and Jorma Tacone from The Lonely Island. He is playing the Vulture. He's doing. Uh, well, I like my idea better, but <laughs> I do like your. I idea will give better. it to him, but I'll give it to him. Rachel Dratch is the Vulture. Do it, you cowards. But yeah, that's probably good too. <laughs> Debbie Downer as the Vulture. I'm down. I like this idea. Jimmy <laughs> <laughs> Fallon breaking breaking character. Um, yeah, I'm I'm down with this, and I love that they keep adding. And I think there's something about. I mean, and they might be looking at spinning off some of these. You said, Michael, like you know, you can go with a Spider Gwen series. They, they have already talked about this and are planning it out with Haley Steinfeld. So I don't think you cast someone like Daniel Kaluuya without that possibility in mind. So. He's such a great talent, and people gravitate to him. He's an Oscar winner, so it makes all kinds of sense to spin him out. And for someone like you know, Danica, it's like coming into the booth and just recording some lines and bringing my character, my acting uh, talent to it. It's a great way to to kind of alleviate being on a set and all this kind of. It's a lot more of a simpler approach to things that could be fun for him to do amidst all the other stuff he's doing. You know, yeah, I like this idea. Yeah, I. Uh... Uh, you know, it's one of the it's one of the downs. I mean, look, Sony's doing a great job with the animated Spider-Man stuff, so all props to them on that. But it's one of the downsides of it being at Sony. Like, if the Spider-Verse movies were being made under the official Marvel Disney banner, I think we would already have a CG animated Spider-Gwen series on Disney Plus. Uh, you know, it's like I feel like I feel like they're doing a great job with Into the Spider-Verse, but as we have seen on the live action front. Uh, Sony doesn't quite have the spinning off part figured out. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. And I uh, can't wait for this one to come out next year. It'll be here before we know it, I imagine. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, let's move on to um, our next. Well, let's take a break, actually. We'll move on to our next topic here, jumping into some trailers uh, with Shannon McClung right after this. That's good. That's good. Uh, all right, uh, Shannon McClung, take it away. What do you got? We've got trailers, trailers, trailers. To kick things off, we get our 
final trailer, I believe, for Devotion. So this is the uh, Korean War set aviator film starring Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell from yeah. Top Gun Maverick, directed by J.D. Dillard, who we might be talking a little about in our main topic, but he's a very up-and-coming director. This is a really interesting... like. I- the the more we see of this movie, the more I'm getting excited. Like yeah. the first okay. I saw, well, yeah, because I saw the first teaser with Top Gun, mm-hmm. and right. I was Logically. like, it's it's kind. Of, well, I just thought it was funny. I was like, oh, Glenn Powell then and Glenn Powell now. Uh, it just seemed like I was like, oh, that's a really interesting uh, uh, choice for him to do in the wake of you know probably you know what was going to be the biggest uh, uh, fighter jet movie of all time. Mm. But the more we see of this, the more we get of this relationship between Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell, and knowing that this is based on a true story. And if you don't know the actual story do not do any research because I made that mistake and found out some stuff. So basically I'm, I'm, I was way into this trailer. I think it's super exciting. Um, and, and, and again, just sort of being a precursor to, to the year of Jonathan majors. Um, I'm on board, but gentlemen, what did you all think of our potentially final look at devotion? I liked it. Um, I'm going to see it as we're recording. I'm going to see the, it tonight. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, and excited to see what we're going to get. I've read some of the reviews. Overall, they say it's a good film, not a great film, but that Jonathan Majors is the standout. And so that, to me, gets me excited because I haven't seen him deliver a bad performance yet from all the way back to The Last Black Man in San Francisco to now he's just delivered some fantastic work in all these different kinds of genres. So why not something a little more mainstream like this? And we saw him already in that Creed 3 trailer, Sweet Mary, Mother of God. So getting a chance to see him in something a little more mainstream, a little more inspirational, telling a true story here. Uh, it, there's not a lot of movies about Korea uh, done in in, in the, the world of film. So it's a new terrain that he's walking in a way. And with Glenn Powell there, Telling a story. Of course, nowadays, when we're so divided, a story bringing black and white together that actually happened in our history, in our country's history, is a good thing and getting to take a look at it. So, but the um, the imagery of, like, uh, sorry, the uh, vis- the um, action sequences in the sky, all that stuff looks awesome. So, if nothing else, if the story is a bit cheesy or strays into the lifetime area, that's fine with me if we get some incredible visuals of the action sequences and the fighting fighter pilot stuff in the sky for sure. Um, so, and I can't resist a good biopic or at least a based on true story film for me. So what did you think, uh, Mike? I think that's good. The Glenn Powell part is a little bit distracting just only because it's like, <laughs> like, is this like the top Gunniverse? Like, is this supposed to be his uncle, his grandfather? But like, uh, it, it, like to your point, it's just like a, it's an interesting choice to be like, Top Gun Maverick, what are you going to do next? Let's, let's stick with the plane thing. Let's keep that going. Uh, because you just can't help but you watch it and you watch him. And I think kind of to John's point, because um, the action sequences and the visual effects do look so good, mm-hmm. that seeing him, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, like this is going to be like, this is the promise of seeing a period piece that is like Top Gun, but in period planes. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it like yeah. like and like in a comp like in a complimentary way, like it looks like it has that sort of visceral feel to it. Um, so the comparison just sort of lives in my head every time I watch it. Look, Jonathan Majors, I'm with John. Like, he hasn't had a bad performance. He's one of the, like, he is such a good actor that it, again, is almost distracting. Like, like there's people that are just so good that you're, like, in the middle of watching something that you're super intense and, like, involved in, you're like, fuck, they're good. Like, that yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of has that thing going for him where, like, in, in any of the things that I've seen him in, you just kind of have a moment where you're just like, this guy is, this guy is legit. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm super, super excited for it. Uh, you know, uh, our friend Josh Moon and I always used to joke that like summer was always like my season of the movies because it was all like the giant tentpole popcorn movies. But like winter was his time of year for movies because it was when the serious movies came out. Uh, <laughs> so I like watched this and I was like, oh yeah, this is like a Josh Moon movie. Like this is, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is a grown-up movie. So I'm excited to go see a grown-up movie. <laughs> well, we're all going to get to see that grown-up movie on November 23rd, unless you're the outlaw John Roca and you get to see it uh, uh, tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> so our Drive on down, trailer. Shannon. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> our next trailer, um, very, very short, but we get the teaser for The Whale. So this is the movie that uh, a lot of people are talking about. Brendan Fraser uh, winning some statues. It's from Darren Aronofsky of the wrestler fame. Um, you know, we don't see a ton here. I mean, it's about it's about a minute. We find out that uh, like I didn't know who else was in it besides Brendan Fraser, but we find out that uh, uh, Hong Chow is in it. Sadie Sink from uh, from Stranger Things. Um, the trailer just reads to me like we are going to make you cry mm -hmm. um it, and that's pretty much the extent that i got from it like i was already interested in seeing it because of the accolades that brendan fraser has gotten leading up to its release but i'll throw it over to you gentlemen what did you think of that very brief look at the whale uh, mike it <laughs> like all like all i took away from it kind of something you're like all anybody has talked about with the whale was like Brendan Fraser's performance. Guys, Brendan Fraser's performance. Like this is like a career topping thing for Brendan Fraser. And you're like, okay. And then you watch like this one minute trailer and I have no idea what the movie's about. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm like, sure. Yeah, that's it. Brendan Fraser. Like, it's like, that's the trailer. The trailer is you just see him and you're like, this is, this is not the guy that was in the George of the Jungle and the Mummy. This is this is a different this is a different Brendan Fraser, um, and I don't know if it's because of all the hype or because of this trailer or it's a combination of both. But knowing literally nothing about what actually this movie is or what it's about, I'm like it is, it is like top of my list to see. Yeah, like just looking at Brendan Fraser in this trailer, uh, I was like, yeah, okay, like he's nominated for an Oscar. I don't know what the movie's about. I've seen nothing of his performance except for the 30 seconds or so in this trailer. And I was like, yeah, sure, sure. So, okay, Brendan Fraser's at the Oscars this year. Get ready. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for it. it, look, it it's it just between him and the Darren Aronofsky of it all, you're like, okay, cool. I get I get what I'm in for. I don't know what I'm in for, but I get what I'm in for. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100% agree with you, man. I mean, if the music helps too. That uh, those vi that vo those violins coming in as you're so completely putting you into that uh, mindset as you're watching the sequences and then what he says at the end, right? People can be pretty incredible. Look, again, we're out of time now. We're really doubting each other all over the place on social media and other places. So film kind of showing you the best of what we can be as human beings, possibly. And of course, a guy who's it seems to be struggling with his weight, plus a very unflattering title for this movie about as certainly people who have struggled with their weight as I have. And many people who listen have, uh, you know, the idea of being called a whale is something you get real like scared about and have maybe heard in your life. And so it has a lot of connotations to it. And so seeing a guy, uh, seeing Brendan Fraser looking the way he looks in the, in the trailer, it makes you think, Oh my God, is this going to be one of those things that really just absolutely decimates you? It may, gave me shades of what's eating Gilbert grape. Of course, the wrestler, which he did before, 
So, and I have, I mean, even from the one minute trailer, I was like, oh man, I'm not going to make it through this movie. I'm not going to make it through this goddamn movie. So that is a great way to get me excited to see it. Um, and I'm seeing that December 1st. So I can't wait to see that already and, and, and lose my shit. All <laughs> I'm just saying, man, you know what? You are the last one to be clapping. Let me just put that on the table. Um, <laughs> Tell me some more how earlier you get to see the movies than I do. Um, but, you know, so I can't wait to see it. I can't uh, wait to see it. It looks great. And you're right, Michael. Everyone's been saying pencil them in, pencil them in. A lot of people talking Colin Farrell and Banshees and um, The Sun, Hugh Jackman and The Sun. So I can't wait to see The, the Sun as well to see if those are the leading candidates. Uh, for going into the best uh, uh, actor Oscar race. So, yeah. Well, we are all going to get to see The Whale December 9th, not December 1st, like yeah, John, the outlaw, the outlaw Roca. But oh, those right. eight days, they say so much. You know what? <laughs> and on to our last trailer, which is our second look at Glass Onions, a Knives Out mystery. Glass Onions. Not glass onion. Just just one onion. Just sorry. One. Sorry. Sorry. If I had seen it early, I would have known oh. that it was singular. It wasn't plural. <laughs> glass onion. So again, another title that I'm not quite sure how it how it uh, connects to the film. Uh, but I mean, the more we see of this movie, the more it looks like it's going to be so much fun. I mean, you have an incredible cast. You have the returning Daniel Craig, the returning Ryan Johnson, set in just a beautiful locale. It looks like there's going to be some sort of musical sequence with Kate Hudson. Catherine Hahn uh, acting exasperated, always funny. Uh, gentlemen, what did you all think of our second look at Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Uh, you know, Batista going crazy. Um, Kate Hudson looking like she's having a ball. Catherine Hahn, the queen that is now Catherine Hahn. Um, uh, Janelle Monet kind of being quiet, staying to the side, monitoring everything. And then finding out that there's a past with all of these characters at a bar called Glass Onion. That, I imagine that's why this is all, why that's the title. But also, um, uh, Ryan Johnson came out and said that he was looking through uh, Glass stuff. He knew Glass was going to be in the title, and, it was, and he stumbled upon the old Beatles song from 1968, Glass Onion. And that's how he came up with that title. And Glass Onion also means something that is multi-layered yet transparent. So I'm sure there's a lot that's going to be involved in this. And... Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to it, and Daniel Craig looks funny. I mean, him going off about Clue at the end—that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I, it's got an unusual approach, but it looks like a lot of fun for sure. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts? I think I said this when we watched the first trailer, but I feel like is Ryan Johnson the new Agatha Christie? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, it's there's there's something fun about like Murder on the Orient Express. Death on the Nile is a movie that exists. But like, you know, just the, the whole idea of what those movies sort of pitch themselves as, which is here's this epic mystery with a star-studded cast. Mm. And they're nice and they're good. Well, Murder on the Orient Express was fun. Death on the Nile is a movie and it exists. But, uh, but you know, I feel like between Knives Out and then what everyone is saying about Glass Onion, this feels like everything that we were promised with those movies wrapped in a much better package. It is an all-star cast with a very colorful detective at the center of it, uh, just star-studded, and it's a compelling mystery. It's a compelling whodunit, but 
if Glass Onion is going to follow in the footsteps of Knives Out, there's also some level of social or political commentary that is not hitting you over the head and doesn't get in the way of the fun of the mystery, but actually kind of like deepens the characters, deepens the motivations, deepens the uh, everything behind the whodunit to make it all like much more satisfying. So, you know, if he's kind of got this whole thing planned, if we're going to continue to get these movies... And Knives Out, like, it was a compelling mystery. Like, the most fun thing about seeing Knives Out for the first time in the theater is you were sitting there trying to figure it out. You were trying to put the pieces together. And you were having a blast doing it. And then when it was all revealed at the end, you still didn't quite see it all coming. So if he manages to do that again, um, like, let him keep making them. Like, give us all give us all the mysteries. Cast everybody in them. It's the new Marvel Universe, except it's the... Uh, it's ben, Benoit Blancaverse. Benoit Blancaverse. The Blancaverse. The Blancaverse. <laughs> yeah, you make an well, excellent point, Mike, because um, it's a tech billionaire that Edward Norton is playing, and he's calling them all there. His what? Imagine his friends are people he worked with or was friends with, um, and he was going to stage his own murder as a fun little thing. But actually, someone else gets killed. So, is there going to be commentaries yeah. as we see a tech billionaire taking over Twitter? Is yeah. there going to be commentaries here about tech billionaires? social commentary and how we are a bit too uh, beholden to them in our worlds. That's a great point. Yeah. And what's great about Knives Out is that uh, you were just saying it, John, like we do live in a time right now where we, uh, you know, given, given the midterm election this week, we're Mm. pretty divided, but Knives Out didn't say, Oh, liberal, good, conservative, bad, or conservative, good, liberal, bad. It was like, Hey, it doesn't matter if you're a liberal conservative, rich white people are bad. Uh, and, and it was great and it was a lot of fun. And so I think, you know, similarly, like, it'll be interesting to see like what he's saying here, how he chooses to say it and how it sort of feeds into a really fun, compelling, silly, over the top mystery. As Brian Johnson got, you know, they paid $425 million for both these movies. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, <laughs> will he explore himself in the next one? I wonder. Uh, well, it is going to be dropping. Uh, it's, it is an early Christmas gift coming to Netflix, December 23rd, but it's also going to be in select theaters for a limited one week engagement, a Thanksgiving present starting November 23rd. So uh, check your local cineplexes and see if you can see uh, glass onion singular in the theater. I'll have to go with everybody else no screening for that so all right let's take a quick break and we'll jump into our big uh, star wars conversation right after this good good all right let's talk about we're gonna start with you sean levy has been is in talks to direct a star wars film after uh, the Deadpool 3 and the Stranger Things uh, final episodes, what do you think about this as his choice to come aboard to direct and develop a Star Wars film? Um, and why do you think they chose someone like Sean Levy? Well, first of all, I think yeah. this is a great idea. Okay. I think, I, think this, I think he is perfectly positioned to give us exactly what we want. Uh Stranger Things, first of all, uh, manages to balance giving us something fresh and new and uh, 80s nostalgia, which is a dangerous tightrope that could go one way or the other really easily. And they've really managed over the course of five seasons, you know, we can all argue season two and maybe it didn't quite get there. But aside from that, they've really managed to nail this sort of, I feel like I'm watching something from the 80s, but I feel like it's new and different and I'm super invested in these characters. So as we talk about 
what Star Wars is, why it works, what we love about it. Um, that's that's a tough balance, and he's the guy to do it. Additionally, uh, you know, Free Guy, great. It is funny. It is right. unique. It has a ton of heart. Uh, it you know, in a in an era of just recycling IP, it was something that was new and different. And I feel like Free Guy knocks it out of the park. Yeah. And even the Adam Project on Netflix, which is not you know the greatest of all movies. Compared to a lot of the other Netflix original movies, it's at least a solid one, and it's a lot of heart, a lot of emotion. It, you know, it, it might not be the greatest thing in the world. It might not be uh, something that if you saw in theaters, you would have been blown away by, but it's a very sweet movie. It's got a ton of heart. So he he does genre stuff. Uh, he gets the geek audience. He gets the geek sensibility and sense of humor. Um, and you know, so post Deadpool three, him jumping over to Star Wars, I actually think. His Star Wars movie might be the first one we end up actually seeing. You think over um, Damon Lindelof and over Taika Waititi's film? Yeah, I mean, okay. look, Taika Waititi's film, Taika Waititi, you know, like I think the last thing that he said about it, uh, he was doing an interview with the New York Times. He said, I'm trying to write the Star Wars idea at the moment. I got to see how that goes because once I submit it, uh, that might determine when it get ma- gets made or even if it gets made. So. Right. I don't think that that Taika Waititi one is super far down the pipe. Now, the Damon Lindelof one, I think, is the other one. I think this news coming so soon after the Damon Lindelof news makes me think that Lucasfilm might finally be figuring some shit out. Okay. Um, I think that, I think that, um, look, I think, I think the issue that Star Wars has is they are very comfortable filling in the gaps. Star Wars is kind of like, like I said earlier that I think Clone Wars kind of saved Star Wars, but Clone Wars even is something that it fills in the gaps. There's mm-hmm. a gap between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith and Filoni and team came in and they filled that gap. Um, you know, Rogue One, Solo, Star Wars Rebels, Andor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, they are all filling that gap between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian, um, Ahsoka, uh, Boba Fett all fill in the gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So, you know, they're really good at saying, well, here's what we've established in the world and let's have some people come and play within those gaps. But when it comes to, okay, well, Rise of Skywalker was a movie and it happened and Emperor Palpatine came back somehow, but then uh, Kylo Ren and Daisy and Rey got him and they all ran on some spaceships and then she buried a lightsaber. The end. I, like nobody knows what's coming next. And I think them trying to figure out what those next steps are is the reason that we've seen so many people kind of be announced. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, this is a good idea. And then everybody freaks out and says, oh, no, no, wait, back up, back up, back up. We don't know. We don't know. So, you know, I think Sean, Sean Levy's as good a name as any to kind of like take us in a bold direction. Damon Lindelhoff as well, just given Watchmen, is clearly someone who's not afraid to take on a how do you follow this up kind of challenge and follow it up in a way that is not what you expected, but was totally amazing. So between these two announcements, I think like these are the ones that I'm most interested in out of everyone who's been announced so far. Yeah. Er, uh, sorry. Uh, Shannon, this, he's, I mean, we just on the, we're just about finishing up Andor. Acolyte is already starting to shoot with Uzzy Headland and the cast has been announced. Those seem like slightly more serious. Obviously, Andor is, but certainly Acolyte might be as well. More serious approaches to Star Wars. Is this a way for them to appeal to the more mainstream approach, which has the wink and humor along with some of the more serious stuff going on with Star Wars when you, ca- when you 
ask someone like Sean Levy to, to step in here and create a, and develop a Star Wars film for you. I mean, that's certainly possible. I mean, all of the reasons that Vogel gave for why this could be a great Star Wars movie, I think are perfectly valid. I also think there are reasons why he's a very, very safe choice, Uh, um, which I think could translate to a kind of middling film. Now, I thought Free Guy was fantastic. I did not think The Atom Project was. I think it's going to come down to who the creative team that is going to be with him like who who's going to be guiding him because you know phase four aside i mean you look at the majority of the mcu and how kevin feige and his team were very integral through the you know production of those films and how they had a very sure hand you know guiding the film mm-hmm. um i don't think you know i don't think that we've ever ha- we've never had like a great creative producer with this new this new the disney era of star wars so i mean we could get free guy or we could get we could get the Adam Project. Um, so it just it just kind of depends. The Lindelof one, um, I'm really I'm interested in the script because I do think Damon Lindelof. I mean, all criticisms of Lost aside, I mean I think Damon Lindelof tells a really really good story, and the fact that he is a big big Star Wars fan, um, I think is is encouraging. The director is it uh, Charmaine Obaid Chinoy. Mm-hmm who directed two episodes of Miss Marvel, that one I'm not so not so jazzed with. I think a lot of her action was nonsensical. Um, now, was that her? Was that the production? We don't know. Um, she also did that incredible flashback episode. So it's like, I don't know right. which one, I don't know which one we're going to get here. Like the one that had all the action, I thought was not well done at all. Whereas, you know, the emotional depth, that we got in that flashback episode. I mean, if they're able to take that emotional depth with, I imagine the intellectual depth that Lindelof script could, and then get into like that solid star Wars action. um, That could be a really, that could be a really exciting film Uh, of the two. I mean, and granted Sean Levy being announced as director like that, to my knowledge, like that is the extent that we know about that movie. Like we don't know who's writing, um, so just with the, um, the amount of, the amount of announcement that happened with the Lindelof movie causes me to be a little more excited, but again, Sean Levy could deliver a great movie. I, I think it just depends on who he's going to be working with. Yeah. What are the odds on Ryan Reynolds showing up as one of the species and makeup? I think that's pretty high. I would say, um, but you, I, cause you don't want to see a Ryan Reynolds Jedi. Do you, do you want to see a Ryan Reynolds Jedi? I feel like no. People used to think they didn't want to see a Sam Jackson Jedi. And now all we talk about is how Mace Windu survived getting thrown out of a building by Palpatine. So. Did anyone say that, that they weren't excited to see Samuel L. Jedi? I don't think. People I think did. That, People did. People I, I, like a, there was like he it kind of listen listen, you don't you were like you don't remember. You were what? Like, you you remember. the same. Um <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> there was a I think because when when the Star Wars movies came out, the original ones, mm. uh particularly New Hope, everybody, you know, like had been in some stuff, but nobody was like a runaway movie star. And so when the prequels came out and you cast some people that were very, very big names. It didn't feel as Star Wars. And look, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with that now. Like, there was a ton of stuff that people didn't love about the prequels because it didn't feel Star Wars. And now, so many years in animated series and TV series and everything later, most of that stuff feels pretty Star Wars. So I'm not saying that it's 
that was correct, but I right. think that there was kind of that feeling. Yeah, I wonder about it. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised. This feels like it's going to have a lighter touch. Lindelof feels like it's going to be a way darker touch. Um, and so that makes sense. And there's rumors that he's going to find a way to bring Daisy Ridley and Boyega and Oscar Isaac back as their characters in a kind of way of kind of bridging to the sequel trilogy and making it okay to maybe use these characters again and soothing some feelings that uh, they all had as actors in that whole experience. Um, and I imagine uh, Kelly Marie Tran will be a part of that as well. Rose Tico in some way. So there's possibilities there. So that's going to be a much darker thing. I think what, what they see in Sean Levy is mainstream stuff, you know, Spielberg esque and let's go and get this guy who is funny. And as Michael said, can capture that eighties, but also walk that line uh with some of the serious stuff so but you're right adam project that was a little underwhelming i, I wanted to like it because i really enjoyed free guy but it was okay so you wonder like what star wars film are we going to get from a guy like this and it, you're, you're right shannon to point this out who's writing this with him on the lindelof side though you don't remember any of the directors from the watch from the watchman series it's lindelof that you think about yeah. and so i think working with this director from Ms. Marvel. And we don't know that how much of Feige was involved in like, make this as simple and easy and uh, good to connect to as possible. Let's make it safe. Let's not move them. Whereas with Lindelof, I think he can say, all right, we're taking all the uh, restrictors off. Let's do something pretty awesome. Let's get real deep and discover what we can um, do in star Wars. That is in the Andor vein. And I think that's what we're seeing, you know, and I could be way off, but I think it's what we're seeing is like these two separate strands uh, being now created in Star Wars. The more serious, grittier approach here that was promised from the beginning and is now finally coming to fruition in a way. And this other side that understands we need to appeal to all the quadrants with the stuff that we do. And so I think that's great. It's a good balance. It allows us to enjoy what we want to enjoy. And both are valid. I'm tired of hearing how Andor is in Star Wars. Please. And so we can create all of that to exist in the same universe. So I think Sean Levy is a good choice. He's an up-and-coming director. He's a young director. And I wonder if they've taken a pitch from him and are very impressed with what he brought to the table. All that being said, though, Kathleen has no problem being like, you know what? You're not the guy. Get on out. I don't care if you've shot 80% of the movie and you're very well-respected amongst your peers and you've never had a bad project. You're out. You know, so she has no problem doing that if it doesn't feel like it's the right thing down the road. So for now, it seems cool, but it doesn't mean he's going to end up making his film for sure. Yeah, and like thinking back to uh, Taika, it, it seems like the sort of stinging criticism that he got in the wake of Love and Thunder. Oof, yeah, I kind of feel like uh, he he may be stepping back from the big blockbuster filmmaking for a little bit i think i think that i think that may have uh it cut him and he bled a little bit and he you know he was so he was riding that wave for so long where everyone loved him and you know now he you know he made the one movie and and again who, who knows how much control he had over it i mean it, when you see these sort of uh deleted scenes where thor's talking to zeus and they seem to have a very you know congenial relationship it's like okay this there there were some changes that happened <laughs> during production here um so you don't know how much he actually is to blame i mean you know you look at the amount of humor that it had and and 
that's certainly something that he brings to a lot of his projects. So, I mean, obviously all the fingers are going to point at him. Um, but I, that Taika Star Wars movie, I, that, I feel like that's like the Ryan Johnson trilogy. I don't think that, I don't think we'll ever see. Oh yeah. That'll ever see the light of day. I mean, and I, and I would have to assume the Kevin Feige Star Wars movie as well is probably not going to make it past whatever, whatever stage it's in right now. Yeah. I mean, I think this is also the sort of represents the problem with Star Wars. Yeah. Which is, and, and I, and, and I don't know, maybe they've figured this out and they're trying to figure it out, but like, it shouldn't be Taika Waititi's Star Wars or David Lindelhoff's Star Wars or Sean Levy's Star Wars or Patty Jenkins' Star Wars. Like, it should be Star Wars. And like, Star, and like, 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 and what I mean by that is it's not Taika Waititi's Marvel Universe. Mm. Taika Waititi does a Thor movie. It's not James Gunn Marvel Universe. James Gunn does the Guardians movies, but they all sort of are building these things that have different tones and different vibes to John's point. Some are more serious, some are funnier and sillier, but they all still feel like the Marvel Universe. Uh, And granted, Marvel has a roadmap. There's 60 years of comic books that they can pull from. And Star Wars, there's no roadmap. We, that's what like, they, they, they do really good playing within the spaces because there's a little bit of a roadmap. We know where Revenge of the Sith ends, we know where New Hope picks up. So giving somebody the reins to say, tell this story is easier. But I think the reason that we sort of have this revolving door is because Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm are like, cool. So what happens next? (laughs) Like where? So the Empire's gone and we did the First Order. Now they're gone. I don't think Palpatine can come back again. I don't think people are going to go for it. (laughs) So, huh. And I think that's what's happening. I think that Ryan Johnson comes in and says, well, this is how we're going to regrow the Jedi Order. And this is the threat. And Taika Waititi comes in and says, I want to tell this story over on this planet with these aliens. And Damon Lindelhoff is like, well, look, with Watchmen, we had a similar problem. And so this is how we handled it. And it would be great to do this. And everyone has a kind of take on where it should go and there's excitement about it and then it probably goes up the ladder and everybody talks about it and then it, everybody gets nervous about it and everyone's just really really afraid because nobody quite knows what should come next in star wars yeah. um you can't you know jj abrams we talked about this word but like we were all so excited for something that felt like star wars that we kind of said okay it's the resistance and not the rebellion it's the first order and not the empire but it looks cool and it feels like star wars but like you know, I think this is where they can take a lot of lessons from the High Republic and why I'm really excited for the Acolyte. Because over in publishing with the High Republic, they went and charted some new territory. Yeah, yeah. hundred years before every Yoda's there, but he's kind of not there for most of it. But it's a bunch of Jedi. Coruscant is there, but it's a very different Coruscant than what we know from the prequels or Andor. And here's a whole bunch of new Jedi characters you've never heard of before, and they're not fighting the Empire, and they're not fighting the Sith. They're fighting this other villain, this, the the uh, the the Nihil, the Nihil, however you say it. Um, and so I think like there, they managed to create something that is brand new for Star Wars that we've never kind of seen or explored before, but it still feels a lot like Star Wars. And I think that they they did a really good job. Like I like those books, and I'm excited for the Acolyte to sort of bring some of that High Republic era to life and see how it goes. But they need to do the same thing at the opposite end. And I think they're very, very scared of it. Yeah. So Chan, did you want to add to that? No, no. I mean, I I, I agree with what Vogel says. I haven't read nearly as much of the High Republic as he has. I read Light of the Jedi. Um, But 
yeah, I mean, I think delving into a completely different era is something that they need to do. I mean, the whole the the log line that they kind of released about the acolyte, how a former Padawan teams up with her Jedi Jedi Master for kind of like this mystery, um, like that. To me, that sound that sounds awesome. And it'll be yeah, really yeah. interesting to see which direction they go in. Uh, because you know, the creator of Russian Doll, who which Russian Dolls that's a funny show. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like uh, if it's going to be sort of that light and fun or if it's going to be more Andor like. And I think kind of looking at the critical success of Andor, that it's kind of my worry is they're gonna see how well that turned out and be like, ooh, that we need to do that. Um, just sort of adopting that serious tone without understanding what made it successful. The tone was a part yeah. of it, but it has to be more than that. Yeah, yeah the writing, uh, the acting, the yeah, the, the score, all of that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what I wonder about too. Is like, okay, great. Let's go down this route. Let's pick the right people. Just like you've been very careful about how you pick who's going to make what on this side. Let's make sure if we're going to open that door to the grittier stuff that you pick the right people to come in and explore. And don't be afraid to expand the genre a little bit more and all this, you know, everyone now is responding with how much they love that most recent episode of Andor. And that's telling you, it takes time to build this thing, but when they do, there's great rewards in the end. And I imagine Lindelof will explore that as well and open that door even more to see. And, and now that social commentary, obvious social commentary can be something that is part of a star Wars series. I imagine Lindelof mm. is even more excited to see it coming into uh, his movie, possibly, or making it a part of his movie, uh, for sure. But yeah, yeah. But uh, I think also, yeah. I mean, I, and this is, I mean, this is a bigger conversation, maybe for a whole other episode of Geek Buddies. But mm-hmm. I think maybe. that, I think that, um, I think we fall into this. I mean, even though you're saying that both sides are valid and that Star Wars yeah. can be both things, which I totally agree with, I think that also sort of falls into this binary argument that is like because Andor is so gritty and so yeah. different than you know, Clone Wars or Rebels or, uh, you know, uh, Force Awakens. And, and that's like, not oh, to say Clone hasn't had some pretty... Oh, for sure. Well, but I think, yeah. I, think, I think that's actually the point, is that yeah. there's this idea that you are, you're either a fan of gritty, real Star Wars, yeah, yeah. or you're a fan of, like, fun, light, kid-friendly Star Wars. And I think that misses the point. Like, the fact that both of those things exist and both of those things feel like Star Wars means yeah, yeah. that... Like, to your point, like, going in and taking the lesson from Andor that, oh, they want the gritty real thing, let's do more of that, is not, that's not it. Andor does feel like Star Wars. It's the Empire. It's Coruscant. It really understands how the Empire works better than a lot of other Star Wars things do. But I think that it's, like, it's that heart that's underneath. It's that DNA that makes Star Wars Star Wars that Filoni and Favreau you watch Mandalorian and you're like that you you get it that's mm-hmm. Star Wars it's the epic mythical tale of Mandalore and the dark saber and Grogu and what is he going to grow into and all the fun stuff and then Andor takes the other end of it and tells another story but they both feel so much like Star Wars that there is a DNA underneath both that is actually the same yeah and it's just different expressions of it but I think the danger is thinking that Star Wars is either this kid-friendly, lots of aliens, let's have some CG fun stuff, or Andor. It's like, it actually is both. Yeah. So really kind of diving in and being like, okay, well, why do these both work? How come these can both exist and they both feel great? What's underneath this that really works? And figuring that out is the key. Whoever figures that out 
we'll then figure out what the next chapter of Star Wars is going to be and hopefully make us all very, very happy. That's a great point. Great point. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. I thought that was a really nice discussion there about the Sean Levy uh, developing and possibly directing, well, you know, developing and directing a, a new Star Wars movie and who else might be involved in all this as we go forward for a new Star Wars film, which a lot of people in the Star Wars fandom are starting to itch for. So we'll see what ends up being the one that makes it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, thank you all so much for watching this episode of Geek Buddies. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Um, if you like geek conversations and hearing how much earlier John gets to see movies than the rest of us, then we have got a great uh, series of shows for you. Uh, here's what you guys can do so that Roka can continue to see movies before the rest of us. Uh, smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page uh, so you can check out all the amazing content and all the amazing trailer reactions and movie reactions he does to the movies he gets to see before us. Leave your comments below. Uh, let us know what you think about everything. What are your thoughts in an Indiana Jones series? What do you think of the trailers? Um, what do you think of the Spider-Verse? And most importantly, where do you think Star Wars should go next? Uh, maybe one of you has the idea that oh, yeah. Lucasfilm needs to hear. Um, if you are listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. And of course, big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies heading into 2023. Thank you much to them. Uh, please, if you've got any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, head on over to carbonhealth.com. Get checked out today. They have virtual care, in person care, 80 clinics in California, 120 plus locations all over the country for you to get checked out. Uh, or if you want to download their app, you can have a doc in your pocket for any of those concerns and questions and needs you have on the road. All right, take care of yourselves. Be well. Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Geek Buddies. And don't forget, we've got ourselves um, a spoiler review for Andor coming out soon as well. Look for that from us this week. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode from the. Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.